Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. We're going to hit our sponsors here in just a second, then jump into the episode. But before we do, make sure you stick around throughout the end of the interview and check out the show notes for great opportunities for associateships, partnerships, and more. If you're a practice owner, you want to find great people, and you want to list a job opportunity or just looking for certain things that your peers out there that are veterinarians could benefit from, feel free to shoot me an email. Isaiah at veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. I will do my best to get those up at the end of different episodes. There's no charge for that. My role, my job is to connect good people with good people. So with that, we will hit our sponsors and be right into the interview. Have you ever walked into a space and thought, wow, this is beautiful. There's a reason for that. Architecture has this innate ability to impact emotions and perceptions. My friends at Apex Design Build bring beautiful and functional spaces for veterinarians nationwide. Apex is a fourth generation family run company that is fully integrated from the design, architecture, and construction process to help you mitigate risks, eliminate surprises, save money, save time, and reduce the effort on your project. Check out their amazing work and have access to their square footage calculator to help you plan your expansion or new build. Click the link in the show notes for an exclusive offer and learn more about Apex Design Build. Tired of waiting for ownership decisions to happen? Frustrated with promises broken? Enter Innovative Management Veterinary Solutions, or IVMS. IVMS's goal is to grow privately held, profitable, unique hospitals across Canada, allowing you, the veterinarian, to focus on medicine and not the practice nuances. They handle accounting, bookkeeping, marketing, advertising, human resources, and so much more. The plan is easy as one, two, three. First, you come work joining the leadership team for a year to learn the systems and processes, ensuring the fit is right for everyone. Second, you enter into a 50-50 partnership to launch your hospital. Again, you help drive where you go. Three, work together, launch, and scale your hospital. Questions? Head to the link in the show notes for more information, how to connect, and see if this is the right opportunity you've been waiting for. Check out Innovative Management Veterinary Solutions. Find out for yourself why my friends at Shepherd Veterinary Software are the fastest growing practice management software. Hint, they're doing something right. Founded by Dr. Cindy Barnes, Shepherd is an intuitive, easy to learn, streamlines practice management. Built for vets, by vets, it works for you and your team so you have more time to spend on what's most important, your patients. Shepherd automatically updates the medical records, adds services to the invoice, generates discharge instructions, and so much more. Bring home more stories and less stress. Check them out at shepherd.vet. Again, that's shepherd.vet. Hey, drama. Yes, we do too. That's why it doesn't exist here. It's the only core value that is non-negotiable. Culture is key at Point Grey and Fraser View Veterinary Hospital located in Vancouver, British Columbia, an outdoors person's paradise. Privately owned, fear-free certified practice, the only fear-free practice in Vancouver. No catches, no hidden terms, no negative accrual, no non-compete, and fully transparent. So what do we expect? Sense of humor? We love to laugh, tell jokes, and banter. Be adaptable? Strong team-oriented personality drive and willingness to excel. What should you expect? you love snacks? Who doesn't? We have a staff room filled with a variety of snacks. We've got you covered. How about coffee or tea? We have you covered. Enjoy a two-month schedule made in advance so you can actually plan your life. No nights or Sundays guaranteed. Salary up to $170,000, including 20 to 25% commission. Visa sponsorship considered, as well as opportunities for ownership. So apply today for Point Grey and Fraser View Veterinary Hospital. Link in the show notes. Why do most banks always seem to be impersonal? slow to answer questions, or give you the runaround on getting money needed for your dreams. Enter Panacea Financial. Panacea Financial, a nationwide digital bank built for doctors by doctors. Whether you're a veterinarian in training, practice owner, or aspire to be one, someday... 
Panacea Financial is designed specifically for you. It was started by two doctors who were frustrated in working with banks and so started their own to serve their community. With common sense lending guidelines and fast decisioning, they have helped doctors all across the country start, grow, and acquire their dream practice. Looking to buy into a practice? Panacea helps doctors with practice buy-in loans that are funded in a matter of days, not weeks, or months. If you're ready to join the thousands of doctors nationwide who have declared independence from traditional banks, visit panaceafinancial.com today to see how they can get you started with your dreams. Panacea Financial is a division of Premise, member FDIC. So we have a little bit of a, I'm going to call it a party rip. So this is fun. And I listen to a couple different podcasts that they'll do some live in-person interviews, which is pretty unique. And so we're at VMX and I am joined here by Michael Shirley, who I said, Dr. Michael Shirley, the first time I talked to him, (laughs) he's like, yeah, that's my wife. That's not me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I should say first time, long time, or long time, first time. So yeah. long time listener, first time guest. Yeah, but your podcast gear is a heck of a lot better than mine. So this is, I'm like upping my game here today with the setup. We're trying to look the part. Yeah, this is legit. I love it. So Michael, your wife, Dr. Amy Shirley, you guys co-own Family Pet Health in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Always love Tennessee. Great place. And your role on the team is, is what? Chief Empowerment Officer. All right, unpack that for me. So I'm a school teacher by training. My whole career until my wife and I started our hospital was in education. So I, my career started out as a 4-H agent. For those listeners that have a 4-H background, they're like, okay, okay. That gives them a little insight into my personality. And then I did that for eight years. And then one of the local high schools called me. The principal called me. I was actually at a hog show in Georgia. And he goes, my name's Tom Nolan. And where are you? And I said, I'm at a hog show in Perry, Georgia. And he goes, that's why I'm calling you. I need you to come be my ag teacher. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. So I switched to the high school classroom. And I did that actually until last week. I did another interim contract and uh, was a school teacher. And I finished my, my interim contract. But I've done that basically for in education for 17 years. Chief Empowerment Officer is kind of something that I did as a teacher, which is I'm there to help my students become better, right? Like little humans, like little adults. And so empowering them to use their own skills, to find out that they're smarter than they think they are, that they have those traits that they need to be successful in life. And it actually transfers really well to running a veterinary practice. My wife, I remember the day she came home and told me she wanted to open a veterinary hospital. And I said, what do you need from me? And she said, I don't know. So well, I can't help you with that. <laughs> then that led to some other discussions about the why. I said, why do you want to own your own hospital after all these years? And she said, I want to create the type of work environment where I want to go to work every day. And I want to hire the people that I want to work with every day. And I want to have a good work environment where we all want to go to work and then take care of pets. And I said, now that I can help you with because that's team building. And that's what I do. As an educator, that was really my primary job was to help our youth become better citizens, right? And the way that I did that was through agriculture education. And now I do the same thing. I'm helping professionals, veterinary professionals, be the best that they can be by basically I hire good people, I equip them with the tools that they need to do their job well, and then I get the heck out of their way. That's my job. That's literally what I do with Vincere too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, I want to hire people smarter than me. And most of them are Absolutely. way smarter than me. And I'm like, guys, I'm just trying to set you up for success and then yeah, get the heck out of the way. Also similar to a podcast, right? You want to ask right. good questions, shut the heck up and let them talk. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I feel awkward because I have trouble doing that. I'm getting better. But as a guest, I get to talk. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank this, you. This is all. <laughs> Thank this you for is, this opportunity. This is all you. And so 
you all also have a podcast that you, which is the equipment that we're using. So you have it for parents to kind of educate. So tell me a little bit about that. The Family Pet Podcast is a podcast for curious pet parents where we believe the more you know about pet healthcare, the better pet parent you can be. And people go, well, that sounded rehearsed. It is rehearsed. I say it a lot. (laughs) But basically is we created that as evergreen content for our clients. So when we have a new pet parent come into our office and they've, I've never had a puppy before. I'm like, oh, great. We have a podcast. You should listen to episode four, six, eight, 13, 22, and 37. And they're like, what? I'm like, just here. This is our podcast list, our playlist for new puppy owners. This is our podcast playlist for new cat owners. This is our podcast playlist for exotic pets. And they can go and digest that and play it back, listen to it over again, have their kids listen to it. It's the educational content that we want them to know. We've made it available. It's on all the places where you can get your podcast downloaded. And so we have it there and we don't have to have that conversation in the room. Or if we're really thinking ahead and we know they're coming in for a new puppy visit, we can say, listen to these before you come and it'll answer a lot of the questions. And then when we get here, we can be more specific on what your specific questions are about animal husbandry or adding a new cat to your family. So we give them homework. That's amazing. Well, obviously you can see downloads, but they get some traction. Do people listen to it? And again, you're not trying to be Joe Rogan, right? You're not going to get... Well, I mean, I would love to if anybody out there would like to sponsor us and help us reach a national audience. Well, we do have worldwide downloads, which is pretty cool. That is awesome. Our most downloaded episode was, you know, a few thousand. Most of them are in the hundreds, but that's okay. It's still super impressive. We're, we're awesome. Apparently, we're in the top 5% of podcasts. You are. So you, I don't you, know. you keep going and you publish more than... I think it's like if you publish more than like 15 episodes and right. are consistent where you're still putting it out, yep. so many things start and then just don't get any traction. Yep. And that's part of why I'm like, I don't know if I'm a great podcast host. I don't know if the content is anything exceptional, but You're I try con- to be consistent. Yes. And that's the biggest Consistency thing. Consistency breeds success. So we are at episode 49, maybe. You're like at 100 and some, 135 or? Uh, it'll be one. It's probably in the 170s. Wow. Um, by the time this comes out. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not nothing. I yeah. mean, that's good. And so- my brother and I are co-hosts on the podcast. Neither one of us really care if anybody's listening to it. We just are having fun. Sure. We get to interview really smart people about something that they're really passionate about. And it always provides value for our clients or our listeners. And as long as we're doing that, I really don't care if anybody's listening or not. We're doing it anyway. You said, wow, you got this equipment. It wasn't really that expensive. I mean, it was expensive, but it's you know, it was nothing. If anybody out there is thinking about it, I have something called a Roadcaster Pro. It's excessive for doing a one-on-one interview, right? But it's cool. It is cool. It's got all the lights and colors. But if you're doing a four-person, I can hook up four microphones and Bluetooth in two phone calls to the same thing and record. That's a lot. And yeah. so this does help me do that. People can hear the, they may be able to hear the background noise. There's a lot of noise and maybe it's kind of muffled, but you should still be able to hear our voices over it. Anyway, I go down a rabbit trail. Anybody that's thinking about doing something like this, just do it and then just stick with it and you'll get better at it. Yeah. I think the idea of leading with education though, like ultimately when people bring in their pets to you all and the team, it's like they want the knowledge and information you have. And so if you can prepare them in advance, some people are gonna be like, I'm too busy. I'm not gonna listen to that. But there are a lot of people like, oh my gosh, they actually are thinking ahead. They truly care. And like off the bat, I know you've created content. You've spent time to make sure that I know, ooh, they really care about me. That's pretty cool. We are building a bond between our listeners and ourselves. For our clients that are listening to it, they're hearing familiar voices, the same voices that they'll hear when they come into our office. We interview our team first. 
So we regularly interview our veterinary professionals. So they're going to hear and see those voices as well. And so it's just building brand loyalty to family pet health. Again, we made this, the family pet was going to be the name of it, but then we just added podcast and it should be relevant to anyone anywhere if they'll listen to it. That's what we're trying to do is provide value to listeners anywhere. They don't have to be our clients, but we can share it with our clients and it just reinforces and strengthens the relationship that we have with them. Absolutely. And so earlier you talked about, okay, so Amy comes home, says, I want to buy a clinic. And she's like, I don't know why. And then you ask, you kind of dig into unpacking that. Well, I can tell you why. Yeah. She was mad. She was frustrated. She had worked at the same clinic for 10 years. I know we have a common friend, Paul Diaz. Yeah. He would use this as a story to help his cause. She had a non-compete that she signed. She graduated veterinary school in 2005. We got married two weeks after that. We went on our honeymoon. And two weeks after that, she signed a contract. It had an eight-mile non-compete in it for two years. That was our entire city. Mm-hmm. We didn't know any better. Also, at 2005, veterinary jobs were hard to find. Okay, so the employer a had different. The, yeah, yeah. a little different than we have now. However, 10 years later, that same original contract just automatically rolled over and rolled over and rolled over. And she said, I want to renegotiate this. I don't think it's fair that if you fire me, I can't work in our hometown where I have my whole life. And they wouldn't renegotiate it, so she quit. She still didn't want to own a practice then, but she started doing relief work and she came home one day after about a year of doing relief work and said, I think I want to open my own practice. And I was sitting on the couch with my feet up and I jumped up. I gave her a high five. I said, you're going to do great. I knew she was going to do great. Yeah. I said, what do you need from me? I don't know. You know. And so we have kept those lessons. That first job that she had for 10 years was a good job. It's a good hospital, great hospital. And she probably would still be there, right? And so that was a reminder to us, like, take care of your people and what is important to them. Don't be afraid that they're going to go across the street. I know exactly how much it costs to build a vet hospital because we're building one right now. Yeah, we're going to get into that. I am not worried about a new grad <laughs> starting a vet hospital across the street from me and running me out of business. If that causes me to go out of business, then I'm not doing a very good job as a business owner, right? So what would be better is for me, I spoke Saturday to the Veterinary Business Management Association students. We did roundtables. Those students want to be business leaders in the veterinary medicine space. How much smarter would it be for me to tell them, you want to own a practice? Come to Family Pet Health and I will teach you what we've done, which I think has been pretty successful. We're not perfect. And maybe they could show me where my mistakes are, where I could do better. And maybe I could say, hey, I will be an open book with you. And if you want to start your own practice, when you're ready to do that, talk to me first. Don't, you don't have to hide that from me. I want, you to, I want you to move on. I don't want you to stay here forever. I want you to do great things. And I also want to invest in you. Yeah. Right? Like, let me give you some startup capital and I'll be idea. a very silent partner. How awesome would that be to have Family Pet Health be the hub for future great practice owners that get it? And then I'm a little 5% owner in all these little clinics where people are doing great jobs and I just gave them a little seed. That would be awesome to me. That's a much smarter approach, in my opinion, than trying to lock them into a contract that they can't get out of. Uh, 100%. Yeah. But it's also saying you have the confidence in yourself and what your team is that if they did decide, I want to be in this area and I want to compete, is there enough work? For everyone, <laughs> That's right? right. There was a consultant group that we went to early in our process, and he had an example of a water bottle, right? And he would just, in a pitcher, and he would add water to the glass, and the glass would overflow. And he's like, you're going to have churn, right? But the pitcher was still full. Like, you don't have to be the veterinarian for everybody. In Murfreesboro, we are not. 
the veterinarian for everybody. We physically can't be. Even if we had all the veterinarians in Murfreesboro working for us, we couldn't be the veterinarian for everybody. There's that much demand. I'm not worried about that. The market is not so saturated that we're at risk of another vet office opening up. Also, we have differentiated ourselves from our competition through education and client experience. Those are the things that are the most important for us clients speaking. The most important thing for me is to maintain a positive work environment where we take care of people and we also hold each other accountable and release those that can't be a part of our team. Just like football teams trade people, right? We would do the same thing. But it's not going to be a surprise to anybody if they leave our employment at my at my urging because we have talked about this many times. So that's part of having an accountable team. Yeah. So did you do a startup? Did you acquire a practice? Let's Yeah. Um, So we bought an existing practice that was four miles from our house. We did not have good initial conversations with them on that. They weren't really ready to sell. We approached them. How did you approach them? We just asked them. (laughs) So so, again, I I, want to know this because I've encouraged people to do this before. So Dr. Shirley was doing relief work. She could not do relief work in our town. So she had to go to the next town back, which was Manchester, 30 miles away. They owned a practice in Manchester. There's a husband and wife. They owned two practices. They never worked together. They would separate, like one would work at one practice and the other would work in Murfreesboro at their other practice and they would swap back and forth. So she would do relief work for them in Manchester. And that started their relationship. It was always our thought that we would approach them, but we wanted to at least have somewhat of a relationship with them. When they gave us a tour of the hospital that was near our house, that's when we asked them, like, we would really be interested in purchasing this from you if you've thought about selling. And they're like, yeah, we don't really want to sell. And so we basically told them, like, we are going to open a de novo here in this area. We would really just rather buy you out. And they're like, okay, we'll do that. And they had a price that they were asking for. And we were like, that's too much. And we made them an offer. And they're like, that's not enough. We finally came to an agreement in the middle where neither one of us were really happy. So we probably figured that that was fair. (laughs) Yeah, everyone feels like they're losing here. So we both, like, they still felt like they undersold. We felt like we overpaid. So I think it was probably fair. We had it evaluated. We actually paid for that, which is not common. But that was what we had to do to get things moving. We're like, hey, look, we'll split it 50-50. If we close the deal, then we'll pay an additional 25%. So we ended up paying 75% of the appraisal. And that was how we got that ball rolling. We had to throw a little bit into that to get it moving because they didn't want to sell. Sure. Uh, there was one point where the talks had kind of broken down. We just decided, okay, well, we're going to start one up. And we went to the practice design conference, the Fetch practice design conference in Kansas City. And in the very first session of the three-day conference that we had paid for, we both looked at each other and go, we can't do this. We're, and I'm like, yeah, we can't do this. We're like, We've really got to go back and try to, we can't start up. We can't do a startup. We don't have the money. We don't have the finance. We're not going to be able to cash flow what we are going to have to build and land cost in Murfreesboro and all that. So we went back home and approached them again. And they're like, nah, we made them another offer. And they're like, no, I'm just kind of that guy. I was like, fine, we're just going to open up across the street and crush them. And uh, my, wife's like, to the ground. my wife's like, I think I'll make a call. And so she called him and said, hey, look, we are definitely going to open here. They're like, you don't want to compete with a brand new building and we really would rather not compete with you. So let's find something that works for both of us. And that's how we came to terms. That's yeah. how it happened. So that was in 2018, March of 2018. 
we had our vision, our strategic plan. And one of the things that we said from the very beginning, because vision is so important, we said by year five, we want to be designing a new hospital. And so year five is coming up in March and we are in the process of opening a new hospital. We should be open in July. That's fantastic. So that was a difficult process to acquire. And I'm assuming that you and your wife are wired a little differently as far as your approach to conversations. When you say a little, if you mean 180 degrees, yeah. then yes. Opposites attract, yes. right? I mean, it's when we went through marriage counseling, premarital counseling, yeah. not marriage. We took all those little personality tests and whatnot. And the counselor goes, well, usually couples are different in a couple of areas, but you two are different in all the areas, all the way different. And we're like, okay. And he goes, this will either be a case of opposites attract and it'll be great. Or it's going to be a disaster. We're like, oh my, Thanks oh my gosh. He goes, he goes, but either way, it'll be interesting. <laughs> but I think going into that, knowing that, we read a book together called The Five Love Languages, which yeah. anybody out there should listen totally. to. And it showed me, I actually went and apologized to her because I realized that I had, there was one time in, when we were dating when I was just dead broke and I didn't get her a Christmas present. And it was crushing her because I, I didn't even, I'm people out there like, oh, what a jerk. Yeah. I didn't even write her a card. I just thought my presents, because we had, Agreed that we weren't going to buy each other anything, right? Well, that was not, for someone that's a gift giver like my wife, that was an agreement, but not really an agreement, right? So I was like, we said we weren't going to get anything. And then I realized, oh, 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 I've made a big mistake. So that's helped me. But that has been our life. Like we are very opposite, but we know that about each other. And so I know that if she comes up and gives me a hug and tells me really great things about me, like I just appreciate you and what you do. I know that she's doing that because she loves me because that is not her love languages of words of affirmation and physical touch. Right. And she knows that if I clean off the kitchen table and sweep them off the floor and make sure that all the dishes are away and bought her some flowers and put on the table that I did that for no other reason than I love her because I am not a gift giver or acts of service guy. So it's helped. And we have brought that into our vet hospital. So a lot of people out there may say, there's no way I would work for a husband and wife. We make it work. And I think that if you talk to our team, they would say that it's a benefit rather than a hindrance in our particular situation. Yeah, that's amazing. And my wife and I, we've had comments and jokes about, you know, would we want to work together? How would it work? We're very similar, but there are some slight differences where I'm fine to have hard conversations and want the answer to be resolved now, or she wants to Let's do on it, think about it, and we'll chat later on. And I think there's been really successful husband and wife teams, and there's others like the one you talked about. They're going to work in separate hospitals, yes. right? And they're successful doing yes. that, right? And because you just they have know. To, yeah. And it's not that you need to or not need to. Like, you got to figure out what works. The same way with finances, right? When yeah. you decide, all right, we're going to do joint stuff, we're going to do separate. I have my opinion. I know what we do, but it's not for me to judge because some people have said this causes more stress and, yeah. and strife if we do it this way versus the other, and it works. So, yep. Well, we have joint everything. (laughs) um, Our business is joint. Our lives are joined. Like it's all together. And it is sometimes hard. We do bring home work things, but we also try to be very deliberate in checking in with each other, checking in every three days, every three weeks, you're going on a date. And every three months you're going away for a trip. We're trying that. We've had ups and downs and business ownership in the past five years has been super stressful. Sure. You know, trying to grow and how are we going to grow? And we're unhappy in our work environment now, like the actual building. And we are physically limited as to what we can produce because we only have three exam rooms and we have three doctors. That's not a very good doctor to exam room ratio, right? Sure. And so all of those things have been hard. We have three kids. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. And so sometimes we forget 
to be deliberate about our marriage. And so that does make things difficult. And we have to have resets and say, hey, we got to take a time out. We need to refocus just like we do on the business that we have sometimes have to stop and refocus in the way that we do that. So it is all connected. I understand how people could have reservations about working for a family business, but we seem to make it work. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you talked about it, three exam rooms, three doctors. You're building something new. Yep. Let's talk about it. Ask my follow-up question. So just, I guess, lay the groundwork on what you're building, what's the vision, and then when did you start the process? Okay. The vision, the other part of the why, during that three years of relief work before we closed on our practice, my wife came home and said, I want our practice to be fear-free certified. And I was like, what is fear-free? That seems weird. And she told me about it. I said, that seems like a marketing thing. She goes, I could see that because she told me about it. And I enrolled in the course and I was like, oh man, I've been doing things a little wrong, right? And it has changed the way that we approach veterinary medicine. We are a fear-free certified practice. That is a big part of who we are and how we differentiated ourselves. It is a marketing thing in some ways. And that's okay. And that's okay, people that are out there listening. We could do a whole other podcast about marketing. But at any rate, it is a different way to do vet med. And it is the way that we've chosen. And I'm not going to tell anybody that they're wrong for not doing that. But we definitely let people know why we do it the way we do it. So the reason I tell you that is when we started planning, and I think you had Marie Allard on from Planimal, right? She mentioned, gave hidden, dropped little hints. I knew who she was talking about us. But I met her through Cody Krillman and reached out to her, interviewed her. She interviewed us and we decided we wanted her to plan our new hospital. And anybody that's out there that's listening, that is thinking about designing a hospital, I challenge you to ask your architect this question. This is one of the first things I asked her. What is something that you've always wanted to put into a vet hospital that no one's let you do yet? What's that crazy idea that you've had that you've been afraid to actually put in a design. And she started to tell me, I said, no, 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 don't tell me. And she goes, well, I need to tell you a little bit. And I said, okay. She goes, I have this idea for pods. And I'm like, oh yeah, I like that. Like a central, yeah, let's do that. I said, I want that. And I want 10 exam rooms and I want a two car garage that you can drive through. I said, that's all I have for you. And we're fear free. And she took that and designed us what I think is the best looking veterinary hospital that I've ever seen. And it's large, but it's functional and it's not wasted space. We approached it in a couple of different areas. It's really focused on our team, team flow and efficiency, and also comfort for the team. Because right now in our little building, everybody has to go out and take their lunch break in their car. They actually drive to the grocery store down the road to go number two, okay? Because they're afraid our little building's so small that they're going to stink up the whole building. So they all go take their lunch break and go down to the grocery store to use the restroom because Publix is really clean. <laughs> so we're getting to Bucky's really close. I don't know if you know what Bucky's uh, is. That's probably I, where they're all moved to. I feel like, yeah. why do baby boomers love Bucky's? I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. It's so, like a... But now our new hospital has a whole break room upstairs. It has an executive conference suite where we're going to have our team meetings, our traction meetings. It's got offices, a locker room, a podcasting studio in it. It has a call center. So all of our incoming calls go upstairs. So the whole upstairs is like just for our team. And it added a lot of extra square footage, but it's going to be worth it because it's going to make a place where people want to go to work every day. So I think it'll help us with recruiting, sure. but it's certainly going to help me and my team with our happiness. And then downstairs, it's all fear-free. So it's, we have 10 exam rooms. Six of them have outdoor patio seating. So you actually park in the parking lot. You call us. We'll tell you which room you're going to. You can sit out on the patio. We can do the whole appointment out there, or we can go into the exam room that's attached to that. 
and we do the exam in the exam room and then they leave through the way they came in. They never even go through the hospital or the lobby or anything like that. Yeah, we're going to try that. If it doesn't work, then they'll come through the lobby and we'll take them to the exam room. But it has a flow. It's like a you can go in and it's a circle. So you come out. So there's, it can be one directional flow. So no dogs come around the corner and meet each other, right? No two team members are going to crash into each other carrying cat carriers, right? So we have a wellness side on one side and on the other side, we have medical. So they're separated. There's four exam rooms for medical and then six exam rooms in our wellness side. We basically have two hospitals in one. We're running a wellness clinic on one side and an urgent care and surgery center on the other side. And the two sides can work autonomously and not be in each other's way, which is super important. And in between each two exam rooms, there is a staging area that has a little vaccine refrigerator and a hand sink and a workstation. So the doctor can run two rooms and be in between them doing her notes while her technicians or his technicians are prepping the next room. So they can work all day back and forth in between those two rooms. And so it's really efficient. And again, they don't have to leave and go through the hospital. And there's a window right there in front of their workstation so they can see outside and have natural light. And so I think that's a really cool feature that Marie had not put in anything before. And I was really excited to see the way that she worked it into our design. I think it's great. Sounds amazing. We took our team over for a walkthrough the other day for the first time and tears were shed. They're so excited. And to see that level of buy-in from them was really rewarding for me. I'm like, okay, this is good. That was what I was looking for. Sure. You know, that they were like really excited. I wasn't expecting tears of joy, but that's what we got. Yeah. And so when you can work in an environment like that, along with people that you really like, I think we're going to be okay. Yeah. So... If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out guardianvets.com now. There are so many people that are successful in spite of themselves. And it's like, shoot, if you just show up, you're consistent, you do good work. And you, again, going back to the empowerment piece that you talked about earlier, like you're the hype guy, right? You're like, exactly. I, I don't have the clinical training. I'm the yep. hype guy. I'm going to support right. you. I'm going to I love get giving high done. fives. Yeah, let's do this yeah. thing. But putting them in a position for success is, yeah, like... So, and right when, now it's a slog, I'm sure, with just the setup. For your listeners that are out there, if there are practice leaders, and everyone out there can be a leader. Totally. Okay. Let me talk to practice owners and managers for a second. When is the last, think about it. When is the last time you caught somebody doing something good and praised them for that? Oftentimes, especially if you're a numbers person, it's easy to get caught up in the, why aren't you doing this? We got it. Time is money and all this. And you missed this charge. I can't believe it. They know it. It's okay to talk about that kind of stuff. But when's the last time you praise them for doing well? And some people say, oh, I'm not coddling. That's just a coddling generation. We got to no. everybody in the world. I don't care what generation you are, wants to feel appreciated. So go appreciate your staff. Go appreciate your team. We got the team, the people that are making your lives possible. When's the last time you thanked your clients for choosing you? You need to do that. And it can be little acts of service randomness that you just do. There was one time I was at an auction and they had this sign about bunnies. It was like every bunny welcome instead of everybody welcome. Sure. 
And I thought, as soon as I saw it, I said, oh, Miss Myers would like that. And I bought it and I gave it to her at her next appointment. It's set in our exam room where we see rabbits. And then when she came in, it had an alert on her client account that said, the sign that's in room two, give it to Miss Myers. And so they were like, hey, Mr. Shirley wants you to have this sign. Guess who always talks about family pet health on Facebook <laughs> groups when people go, does anybody recommend a vet? And she's like, she just like has this whole spill. There's no gets. option. Yeah. You're going to one place. Yeah, that's right. So do little things like that. Find out what motivates your team, what they like. It could be whenever we have a new team on board with us, we have a little questionnaire that they fill out. What's their favorite snack? What's their favorite work appropriate drink? <laughs> so, and we just randomly get them that things and tell them thank you. And that really goes a long way. Yeah. Even just saying, hey, I appreciate you. And when stuff happens or someone points something out, I try to do that. And it was someone that I never worked with, but I know through communication and it was actually on Twitter. He would just be like, hey, I appreciate you like in a DM for something randomly. And I'm like, man, that's nice. Yeah. He's also a person that everyone like loves to death because he's just so gracious. So many different things. Even if he's like, filling you up with different things. He's still like, you know, appreciate you and all that stuff. It's like, wow, that's really, really nice. And it's not a gift if you expect a thank you in return. And I think that's really important for people to understand. And I think it's another one of those ways that being a school teacher, especially of high school kids, equip me for practice ownership. By definition, it's not a gift if you expect a thank you for it. Then it's like you're making an exchange. When you give praise or you give gifts or you give the year-end bonus, that's a gift. And if they say thank you, all the better. But if they don't, you have to be prepared for that and don't let it burn you out. Don't become bitter because they didn't say thank you. Well, that wasn't a gift. You can say, I'm going to give you this, but I need you to tell me a thank you. And then they say, well, thank you. And you're like, okay, thank you. You're welcome. Now you're <laughs> allowed to have it. No, yes, now it you back. can have it. Yeah. No soup for you. Yeah, no, no soup for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's important too. Uh, you have to be prepared to not get a thank you back. Oh, I'm reading a book right now. I started a Facebook group in 2020 called the Veterinary Leadership Book Club. And our current book that we're reading right now is called Radical Candor. And that's what the author said. Even I think it was like the first chapter was about being a leader, basically about being prepared to not get appreciation in return. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, that's exactly right. So that's a really cool book that we're reading right now. Anybody on Facebook can join and read along with us. I think this is like our 13th book we've done together. And They've been great. The discussion is all related to vet med. Cool. So whatever book it is, we even read um, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey yeah. and, and related it all back to vet med. Uh, so that's a fun discussion. Yeah. Um, so let's dig in a little bit on the, the oh, project. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you go, asked me about the project. So, no, no, no. But I wanted to also then, and you can answer this however you want, because you told me you're an open book. And so yeah. share as much as you want. Let's talk about the financial aspect and, uh, because yeah, you talked yeah. about the tiers and stuff. And, yeah. and that's great to feel. But there's been a little risk involved oh, with gosh, the yes. amount of capital that's been outlaid. I have also had some tears of <laughs> shock and fear, right? This is a large project. My wife and I have never built anything new before. We've never owned a new car before. So this will be the first thing we've ever built from the ground up together. And we did build a shop this past year, but that doesn't really count because it was just concrete and some steel. This is like everything. I mean, this is all our eggs in one basket kind of thing. That's super stressful. Like if this doesn't work, we're going to be broke, like in bankrupt. I mean, really, honestly. And so that's super stressful. I try to remind myself that the bank gave us the money, so they believe in us. So if they believe in us, then we should probably believe in ourselves. Totally. So I'll tell you how this worked. Okay. So we bought that clinic. Wow. We really, I really got off of your first question a long time ago. Sorry to all the listeners out there. No, no, this is great. We found our architect first. 
So here's the deal. I don't understand how this works. We went to the bank who has our loan and we said, we think we're ready to build. And they said, yes, your numbers are great. You're ready. And I said, how much will you give us? And they said, how much is it going to cost? And I said, I don't know. It'll cost however much you give me. And so then I went to the architect and I'm like, I want 10 exam rooms and a garage and a fear free. And she goes, what's your budget? And I said, I don't have a budget. <laughs> yeah. She's like, what do you mean you don't have a budget? And I was like, they won't tell me how much they're going to give me because like nobody wanted to go first. Right. I didn't want to limit my architect to a 4,000 square foot when I really know that I need 10 exam rooms, but 10 exam rooms equals a large building. And so I was like, how much do you think? She goes, you need to find a local contractor. So then I found a local contractor. I interviewed several different developers on our county and they all had the contractor that we have is Dow Smith Company. Highly recommend them. If you're in Middle Tennessee, you should call them. They were the number one recommended contractor on everybody's list that I talked to. Everybody had the same four or five, right? And they were all in different rankings, except number one was all Dow Smith. So I set up an interview with him, with them, excuse me. And uh, Joey Ryan is our the, the man that I worked with. He's a partner there. And he interviewed me as much as I interviewed him, which reminded me of my talks with Marie. Like, And I'm like, professional people want to know that they're not wasting their time. And so take those calls and book an appointment. And if you have to pay for a consult, pay for it, right? Like, I don't have a problem if they had said, we'll sit down with you, but it's $125 to have a conversation with you for an hour. To me, it would have been like, okay, this person's time is money, right? Valuable. Anyway, they didn't charge me for that, but we did interview each other. And same thing. What's your budget? I said, I don't have a budget yet. What's the bank going to give you? I said, they won't tell me yet. (laughs) And so I said, what is the average building cost for our area? And it was 280 to 320, right? Well, COVID has just messed all that up in the supply chains. And so it was even more than that, right? So it's hard. I mean, like to be all in for multi-millions of dollars in some ways for me is not that stressful because I don't have a real frame of reference for how much a million dollars is. Like I know how much our house costs, you know, and stuff, but you know, I can wrap my head around 500,000, 600,000, 900,000 makes sense. But when you start talking about multiples of millions, it might as well be a trillion. I'm like, that's more money than I've ever seen. But when you break it down by the day, like this is what your repo loan payment's going to be per day. This is what you need to produce. I'm like, oh, we can do that. Especially with 10 exam rooms. We're doing that now with three. Yeah. Now there's no profit if we, but we can, we can do cover it. our note. We can cover it, but there's going to be rice and beans at the Shirley household yeah. while everybody else on our team is still doing well. But that's the risk, right? That you talk about. Yeah. The entrepreneurial it, risk. It, it comes on me. And so I think one thing that's important is that my team knows that. Like I've been very upfront with them about how much things are going to cost. Did you know that a cage bank costs $30,000 for this model and $15,000 for this one? And I'm like, what's our cost benefit ratio here? This exam table over here that's name brand costs $7,000. This one cost $2,000 and it does the same things. And they're like, let's go with the two. I'm like, okay. So they've been a part of that so that they know the numbers. We talk about our numbers regularly on our team because I tell them profitability is where your raises come from. That's where time off comes from. That's where CE budgets come from. That's where buying the new technology and equipment that you want comes from. So we can't miss charges, folks. We have to, before we check people out, make sure that everything that we did is captured on the invoice. And so they've been a part of seeing how we cash flow this project. It's a big number that we, again, we can cover the note right now, but we can't make any profits. But we can't do any better 
where we are than what we're doing. Yeah, you've capped out. Correct. And you've said we still feel like there's more to give. And so we, we polled the audience, right? I talked to my wife. Before we signed that note, are you sure? Because I'm not a veterinarian. I can't produce anything. Yeah. I can create the culture and pay the bills and with my team's help answer client complaints and things like that. But I can't do veterinary medicine. I can't produce anything. Are you sure you want to do this? Because we have a nice life right now. You know, we're living comfortably. We get to go on vacation. The kids are happy. We can buy things from time to time. But if we do this, we have to make this work. We may not get to do those things anymore. And she's like, I can't see myself in this building anymore Yeah. because we're full and it's falling apart. It's 60 years old. And so I said, okay. And then I went and talked to my associate veterinarians. Are you sure you're going to stay around? <laughs> and, and I talked to our team. Are you all sure that you're prepared for me to be on you more about numbers and production? Because we have to pay for this. And they're like, yes, get us. We need a place where we can use the restroom. I'm like, okay, so let's do this. Yeah. And then involve them in that building process too has been helpful. So, so all that to say, have a good open conversations, talk with your team, involve them in the numbers. They are professionals. They know that the Shirley's are taking a risk and one day we're going to get paid, right? One day there'll be profit in there. Ultimately, I would really like to turn our business into an employee-owned company and looking into that, how would how do we do that? Because I know, and you know, owners have more buy-in, right? It's stupid for an owner out there to think that his team is going to care or her team is going to care about the business as much as they do. They're not the owners. It's a job. So how do I instill an owner mindset in my team? Well, the easiest way to do that is to make them owners. But I also have to get paid for the stress and the risk that we've taken Total. thus far. Yeah. So that's an interesting way to do that. If anybody out there listening, you can email me, michael at familypethealth.com, and let me know how to do it. I'm genuinely curious about that. Yeah, so there'll be an episode that comes out before this with Dr. Dan Gray, and I committed on that podcast that I'm going to dig more into CE on my side for ESOP stuff because okay. I want. I think it's a really unique way well, to be on the stage. Well, Cody Krillman did give me a resource, so I'll share that with you yeah. to check out. It's like a whole thing, so like a whole organization that's set up to help companies make that transition. Yep. I think it's fair that the people that work really hard in there every day get rewarded. One of the things that, from my experience as a government worker, Okay, I've always worked for the government and as an educator. The people that get paid the most are just the ones that have been there the longest. Well, that's that's not fair. Yeah. Like I'm working my tail off, and they're just cruising over here because they know they can't get fired because yeah. they're tenured or whatever, and they're getting paid the most just because they've been here the most. I wanted to flip that. Like the people that should get paid are the ones doing the work. How do you reward a CSR who's answering the phones? They can't quote unquote make the money, right? But how can we, quote unquote, gamify things or what incentives can we, metrics can we set for them? If you can achieve this, this equals a pay raise. If you achieve this, this equals a bonus. And that gives them a, a little bit more motivation. Yeah, I think you have to tie back to what their role is and have something that's measurable for them to know, like, how do I level up? Or if they want to do more and grow, like show them the career path for that. Correct. They don't feel like they've hit their ceiling, same yep. thing that you know, we talked about with Amy. Like, I can't see myself working here in this yep. location. And they might be like, I can't see myself answering phones for the next 10 years doing yeah. just what I'm doing today. I want more. If they come to you and say, I want more, you can be like, great. This is how we go there. Yep. This is what it can look like. You have to have a good psychologically safe environment where they feel comfortable to come to you and say, Isaiah, I've enjoyed being this for you, but I want more. And this is what I think I would like to see. They have put that ball in your court to decide, are you going to help them? Or are you going to say, I'm sorry, that doesn't exist here right now. And I think that's a great thing for you to look forward to. 
why don't I help make some introductions for people that need that service? And maybe one day you can come back here and do it here, but I can't do that. That's okay. That's a respectable way to have that conversation. I don't expect anybody on our team to stay forever. I would love it if they did, but it's not going to hurt my feelings if they move on. Again, another way that education has helped me. Every year, I lose some students and get some new ones. My seniors graduate and I get to start all over with some freshmen. And here we go, teaching the same things over again, right? But what's pretty awesome is when those seniors call you back and say, will you come to my wedding? Or will you do this? Or I would like to work for you or check out this thing that you taught me. I can't, my whole life started, like my whole professional career started in your class. That's awesome. I would love for that to happen at Family Pet Health in the future that we open our office up to vet students and vet tech students, they slow us down. They cost us money. But it is our responsibility as veterinary professionals, in my opinion, to feed into the next generation, future generation. So we try to show them that you can be a good veterinarian, like you can be a nice veterinarian to the people that work with you. And it won't compromise anything about your, they know that you're the veterinarian, that you don't have to lord over them. And I told my students that if you have to tell your classmates that you're in charge, then you're really not. And we try to show our students while they're with us that we can have an accountable, positive culture that works well together and provides good quality of care. And hopefully they take those lessons out to wherever they go and work in the future. And I would love that in 20 years, people are sending me messages thanking us for their time that they spent at Family Pet Health. And there's a veterinarian here at this at VMX that I'm trying to find, Catherine Foray at uh, University Vet Hospital in Shreveport, Louisiana. I've never met her in person, but I've talked to her several times. She told me to read a book called The Energy Bus, that they have their team read that book. And I read it. And now we also, for five years, have required anyone that applies for our office, they have to read that book first. And it shows them a little bit about our culture. But Dr. Foray doesn't know this, but the successes that Family Pet Health had has a lot to do with the two hours that she took out of her schedule five years ago to talk to me. So, yeah, I hope that one day people will look for me and my wife to tell us, hey, I just wanted you to know, like, I heard you on Isaiah's podcast back in 2023, and you said some really cool things, and, and I did that, and this is what we've done. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. I wish we would have got, so we had a little bit of trouble getting set up and I got to run here in a second, but I I can't let you leave without getting a question in, right? Like this is the thing that I swipe from another podcast where you get to ask anything that you want to ask. So I have been waiting for this moment. I'm so excited to sit down in front of you. Phil Collins starts playing. That's right. (laughs) Here comes my question tonight. I need the drum beat. We'll see what the editor can do. Do I take... Bitcoin as payment for veterinary services? And should I? Okay, so here's some leaked VMX conversation. So Isaiah, and it's no surprise to anyone in the listenership of this podcast. So I am pushing gently, sweetly, kindly to a PIMS operator to integrate with a company called Ibex. I'm going to have Rye Sterling from Ibex on the podcast, but you can set up an Ibex account in about 10 minutes. And you can start accepting lightning payments, which is the instant settlement kind of lightning Bitcoin payment. So that is, hey, within five seconds, you're getting paid. There's no chargebacks. And the nice thing is instead of merchant processing being three or 3% plus 30 cents to swipe and everyone should be looking at their merchant processing fees. Every PL I look at, I always circle that and say, and like draw like a grumpy face next to it. I've said this before, Vincere, I mean, last year we probably paid close to 50K in merchant processing fees. It makes me sick. 
Ibex is a tool that will allow you to do that. And you can keep it as Bitcoin, which I would highly, highly encourage. And so you can just kind of save into it, stack it over time, half a percent. You outsource it, you're set up in 10 minutes. And this can be integrated in a PIM. The, as pay, well. the fee is half a percent? Correct. And well, if, that's awesome. And <laughs> yeah. If you, yeah, and you can do it self-sovereign, right. which means like you can set it up and run it all. It takes a little bit more work and that can be completely free where you're not paying anything per transaction, which would be awesome. But it takes a little bit more work and I know that you know, vendor professionals are not going to want to operate a lightning node in their hospital unless they're really curious. Well, I think that that's important. Like, I don't know anything. I've heard you talk about it. My brother and I have like, what do you think about it? Like, he's really passionate about this. Like, he's I'm crazy. Like, I he's don't not know, stop man. Talking about it. I was like, I don't know. It's still like make-believe stuff. Like, I can't touch it, feel it. It's not backed by a government. Is it really risky? It seems risky. But is it risky because it's risky or is it risky because I don't know enough about it? I think it's an education thing and that's part of the... The cool thing about the platform that I've been given, which is weird to say because I don't feel like I'm anything special, like I just record a podcast and talk to interesting people. But I think that the idea of what Bitcoin can do for vet med and just the average veterinarian and even their teams, like there are things that I'm going to continue to push with people that I am blessed and fortunate to work with, talk to. We're going to see Bitcoin adoption in vet med because the services that you offer, you should get paid in good money. And if I can go create that money for nothing, that is all it is doing is stealing your time and energy and all this risk that you're taking. Because the money can just be created by someone else. Why is that acceptable? Why do we even allow that? It is absolutely yeah. garbage. I'm going to ask another question. Yep. Because I got you here. How prevalent is people wanting to use Bitcoin anyway? It all boils back to incentives. Okay. So I'm going to lay out this year especially, right? So A, it needs to be easy. It needs to be plug and play. Make it easy for me. So I'm working on that. Hopefully I can continue to get some people to do this. We need some test hospitals. So if people want to test Family it out. help might be your test well, hospital. And it, it might have to be a, I don't know who you use for PIMS. We'll, we'll talk <laughs> yeah. offline, but you might need to make a switch. But I think that there's some things there that we'll, uh, we'll work with. I think all PIMS eventually will integrate it because they have to. Right. As far as prevalence on Bitcoin, it is still not as prevalent as I would like it to be. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, hey, tomorrow you start accepting lightning payments and everyone comes in the door right. and they're like, I want to pay with Bitcoin. It's all incentive. So if you, this is what I would do if I had a hospital. Raise prices by 5% tomorrow. You pay with a credit card. That's your fee. You pay cash or Bitcoin. It's a discount, 5%. Right. Yeah. People respond to incentives. If we're going into a recession. People want a discount. Let them pay in a way that is different. Yeah. And if you're like, I don't want to hold Bitcoin. That's fine. Accept it. Give the discount. And you convert back to dollars. I don't think you should do that, but that's okay. Is there a fee to convert it back to dollars? I so would it's say? 1%. 1%. Still yeah. cheaper than a credit card. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Mm. It all boils down to incentive. So the incentive for you is I want more profit margin to a pet uh, parent coming in. I want a lower discounted service. Because all credit card rewards are is off the back of the person creating Correct. the value, which yeah. is complete BS. Let yeah. me let that happen too. Yeah. But yeah, so Bitcoin usage in Tennessee. So Nashville, Tennessee is a Bitcoin mecca and hub. So really? Tennessee is ripe for Bitcoin as well. There's a lot of Bitcoin mining with stuff going on in the kind of the Tennessee hills. So there's lots of other things that are going on there. But yeah, I'm going to continue to push this idea. And I've had people ask me like, do you think you're going to lose people that are listening? Will they not want to talk anymore? That's fine. They're not gonna, they might not listen to that episode, but yeah. I, there's been some episodes that I've looked at on your podcast that I'm like, yeah, I don't want to listen to that That's one. That's fine. And, but you're one of my most played podcasts because I genuinely That's like- super humbling too. Well, I genuinely like the content that you provide. And if I don't like it, I just don't listen to it. Yeah, if you get into <laughs> so, it, and you're like, man, this one sucks. I said it terrible. Yeah. yeah, we're just turning this one off. And it could be, it could be there, like, if this has a lot of background noise, it may not be worth listening to. I don't know. No, I it'll, feel like it, it's going to be good. It, it, this will be good. One. <laughs> but yeah, so going to make that easier. We're going to talk offline. Yeah. I'm going to come down when the hospital's made. Well, we're going to make I, sure that you're accepting lightning payments. I will come down. Do you have any merch that you guys have that I could buy? 
at some point. I'll pay in lightning. I, well, I do have a Family Pet Health sweatshirt. All right. Yeah. All right. I'm going to get some merch. I'll pay. I'll pay. We don't have the, it. I don't know if you remember. We're in uh, 1,700 square feet right now. We don't have any <laughs> any retail. We got to get, we got to get, we got to <laughs> yeah. get the merch That's uh, right. in there. But yeah, so it will be, how far are you guys from Nashville? 30 miles. All right. So one of the best Bitcoin meetups is in Nashville, Tennessee. You're going to okay. go. And uh, when I'm down there, we'll uh, we'll connect. That I'll sounds great. Is, hopefully our new hospital will be built. We'll give you the tour. Yeah. All right, Sounds man. great. This is awesome. Thank you for letting me use your equipment. We finally found a spot that wasn't and ridiculous. It, it's it, actually the perfect spot. And we got hooked up. This yeah. is great. Hopefully the listeners out there have gotten, I've provided some level of value to something, but I, awesome. I'm just appreciative of the invitation. It's awesome to be a guest on a podcast that you listen to yeah. a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the time. Hey, thank you. All right. So there are a lot of new job postings. I'm going to read through these again. Please let me know if you reach out, connect with anyone, and this becomes a full-time or part-time opportunity for anybody. So the first one is a Central Indiana private practice equine or companion health practitioner, Janison Veterinary Clinic. So JVC is a six-doctor, team-oriented, AHA-accredited hospital with a focus on progressive veterinary medicine, quality patient care, and excellent client relations. Four-day work week with rotating Saturdays, dedicated assistant or licensed veterinary technician. Compensation is a base and bonus structure. Lots of benefits, too many for me to list. Bayside Hospital for Animals. Great work-life balance in beautiful Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Minutes away from the beach. Who doesn't love that? No weekends, Monday to Friday, 8 to 5. No on-call or emergencies. Currently a two-and-a-half doctor, non-corporate, small animal practice. Uh, lots of growth in that area. Associate position, happy to offer mentorship for new grads, pro-sal, with lots of benefits, too many for me to list. Newport Veterinary Hospital, Newport, Vermont. Growing, thriving, rural, small animal practice with a touch of daytime urgent care on the Vermont-Quebec border. Seeking the right veterinarian, enjoy the team. Full-time preferred, but part-time considered as well. Privately owned, value the staff and doctors equally with clients and patients. Core values are integrity, motivation, empowerment, cleanliness, education, and compassion. If you love the outdoors, Vermont's hard to beat. List a ton of stuff for you to do there. And on compensation, basically it's bottom line. You can write your own ticket within the boundaries of production. The goal is the forward-thinking owner is reasonable, would love to chat, and build something that fits for you. And so there are open discussions there on that front. Associate veterinarian, part-time or full-time, Fulton County Veterinary Clinic in Indiana. Are you looking for an oasis in the chaos? Do you want to be valued for your individuality and ingenuity? They offer and strive to foster a fun, fast-paced work environment while providing quality patient care. Utilize support staff effectively so that the doctor is available to do more medicine and less time doing paperwork. No emergency on call, no after hours, no weekend work will ever be required. Um, flexible scheduling, competitive salary between 100 and 150000 signing bonus, Benefits, uh, too many to include, but one interesting one there as well is a mental health sabbatical. So those are all the offerings. I'm sure there will be more at some point. I'm going to have to say I can't read all of them, but uh, if you have one, keep them coming. And I hope that is helpful. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should consult your team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincere Wealth Management. Isaiah is registered in the state of Indiana, California, Texas. The biggest compliment you can give to this podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is the platform that predominantly is how people listen to the show. If you have three to five minutes, you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review that'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe via your favorite podcast platform. 
platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information, insights, and have the ability for your voice to be heard and interact with show guests, join the private Facebook group. You can go to the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariesuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where it says about your host and then click on the Facebook icon. That'll bring you into the Facebook group. I'll approve you. You'll be in. And then I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and anything that you'd like to see added to the show. So with all that, thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.